Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing this morning? Happy Sunday. Happy Labor Day weekend. I hope if you have plans this afternoon, they're indoor plans or in the water plans. I think it's supposed to be fairly toasty this afternoon. So glad that you've joined us right now as we get to worship Jesus together. This is a, a wonderful opportunity on Labor Day weekend for us to remind you about these kids' bags that are available every Sunday, but may be useful to some of you today in a way that they are not normally useful because your kids are in kids' programming. There's all kinds of stuff in here. There is a way for kids to take notes on the sermon. There are word finds. I see Play-Doh. There are snacks in here. I see a, a wristband in here. Yes. Cherish today. Okay. Absolutely. We're putting that on. Right. I want to give you also a chance to go and get one of these if you haven't and you think it might be helpful. And so for that reason, and because uh, we love each other, I'm going to invite you to stand back up and we you just greet the people around you. Say hi to those that are around you. morning. All right. Sorry to break up the party. It is my job uh, to shout you back to your seats. Wonderful. If you have been here for our sermon series, Work as Worship, then one of the things that we've talked about every week when we've come together is the fact that because of the work of Jesus Christ in our lives as his followers, we're being transformed in our daily lives. And are you thankful for that? When I think about who I would be if the Spirit of God didn't dwell in me, right? what, what, a, what a mess, what a wreck, what a disaster. But God's Spirit comes to live in those who are Jesus' followers and begins to produce the fruit of the Spirit in us so that we become more like Christ. And do we just become more like Christ in our church life? Right? No, one of the things we've seen in this series is that we are transformed in every part of our life, aren't we? So we're transformed in our church life and our family life and our life with our friends and our entertainment life and... At work, right? We live new life in Christ at work. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at what that new life in Christ that we live in our workplace looks like in Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. Do you remember what that new life in Christ looked like? Ephesians 4, 25, it's honest instead of dishonest. Verses 26 and 27, it resolves anger appropriately. Verse 28, it doesn't steal, but it works hard so that we have things to give. Verses 29 and 30, we encourage with our words rather than tearing other people down. And verses 31 and 32, new life in Christ is kind. Right? It's a life where we're kind to other people. Then last week, 
Pastor Jason reminded us that when we go to work, our primary boss is Jesus. We have a human boss at our work, but that human boss is secondary. As followers of Jesus, our primary boss is always Jesus. And no matter what we're doing, whether we're mowing the lawn on a Saturday, whether we're in our office on a Monday, whether we're raising kids on a Tuesday, ultimately Jesus is our boss in those activities. And we're doing our work as if for him. We're doing our work for him in all that we do. If we don't know Jesus, then we may give in to the temptations that the world puts before us to work for lesser purposes, to work for inadequate purposes, inadequate reasons. What are some of those inadequate reasons that the world gives us to work? Well, I think one of them is going to work to buy things I'm coveting. That's one of the reasons that the world gives us to go to work. Well, I really want some stuff. How am I going to get that stuff? I'm going to go to work so I can make money so that I can buy the things that I'm coveting. Starts at an early age, right? Uh, Often around age nine is the first time a kid will come to their parent and say, how do I get a job so that I can make some money? I drove by two different lemonade stands when I was out and about yesterday. I had a lemonade stand once when I was a kid. Why did I want to do some work when I was nine years old? It was so I could make money to help my parents pay the mortgage. (laughs) Stop laughing. No, you're, you're right to laugh. It wasn't for that at all. Why do kids at age nine want to work so that they can make money? So that they can buy themselves the things that their parents won't buy them. Right? I, I want those things. How do I get them? I get a job. I get some money. I get those things. And that idea of going to work with the primary purpose of being able to buy the things I want and am coveting can follow us into adulthood. Now, listen to me, friends. Don't get me wrong. If there are things you need and things you want, you should buy them. You should not steal them. You should buy them. You should not expect others to buy them for you. And so when we go to work, one of the reasons is so we can buy things that we need, maybe even things that we want. But if the primary reason we're going to work is so that we can buy things we want, that is a lesser reason than what God has for his people. Right? That, that's a, an inadequate, an insufficient reason to go to work. A second insufficient reason to go to work is going to work to pay for relaxation and fun. Some people go to work just to make money so that they can really enjoy the time they're not working. Right, 1981, the band Loverboy said, everybody's working for the weekend, right? You're so like, What? Everyone in here is either too old or not old enough to... Uh, okay, okay, I got some people singing. Wonderful. There are some who go to work just so that they can have what they need to enjoy Friday night, to enjoy the weekend at the cabin, to enjoy the week on the beach in January. Now listen carefully again. There is nothing wrong with having a relaxing weekend. There is nothing wrong than escaping the the frozen tundra of Minnesota for a week on the beach, right, in in January. But if that is our primary motivation for going to work, that is an inadequate primary reason to go to work. 
God gives us something far better than that as the reason to go to work. Right? Third reason, third inadequate reason to go to work, going to work to gain identity. I go to work because my work and how well I do it identifies who I am as a person. Now, I'll tell you, as a pastor, this is a huge problem for pastors who gain their identity from being a pastor and from how well the ministry is going under their care. But is this just a problem for pastors? Absolutely not, right? This is a problem across all kinds of different workplace activities where people gain their identity from their work and how well it's going. Where are we supposed to gain our identity? It's from the work that Jesus did on our behalf and the fact that because of that, we are now children of the king, right? We live as children of the king within the kingdom of God. That is our identity. And we live into that and we love it, right? We don't go to work in order to gain an identity. Jesus has done that for us. These are some inadequate reasons to go to work. They're not the only inadequate reasons, right? I'd invite you right now to think of some other reasons that are inadequate, insufficient reasons to go to work. And then, of course, we should ask the question, then as followers of Jesus, what is the great reason that God has given us to go to work? What is the big motivation for us as followers of Jesus when we go to work? Right? What is it? It's to worship God. We go to work to worship and exalt God. Uh, part of the temptation that we can fall into is seeing worship as being exclusively about the things that we do on Sunday morning. We go to a worship service. We sing worship songs. We ask each other, how was worship But the Bible is very clear that our entire life and all that we are involved in is meant to be worship if we are followers of Jesus. And so when we go to work on Monday, that is every bit as much worship as when we gather together on Sunday. Sunday worship is simply meant to fuel our worship on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. But we worship God in all that we do. And so when we go to work, our primary motivation is to exalt him. To lift him up in all that we do in our work. Colossians 3.17 has been a theme verse throughout this sermon series. Read it with me again. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What percentage of things are we to do in the name of Jesus? Yeah, it seems like a lot, right? Is it Everything. Absolutely everything we do, we do for Jesus' sake, and we do to lift up and exalt his name. And that is certainly true in the workplace, where we're we're designed, where our aim is to lift up and exalt Jesus' name in the things that we do, right? We want to worship God. Put another way, when we go to work, our primary aim is to Please and exalt an audience of one. There's a lot of temptations at work to try and please other people around or to try and please ourselves. But ultimately, when we go to work, it is to please an audience of one. When my daughter was 
uh, quite a bit younger. She used to do gymnastics. And I would go for parent pickup after gymnastics, and she would want to show me the things that she had learned and had been working on while she was at gymnastics that day. So she would give me the dad watch me or dad watch me, whichever. And she wanted me to watch the things that she'd learned over the course of that session. Now, there were a number of other parents there for parent pickup. But she didn't seem to care if any of them were watching. I would go so far as to say she didn't care what any of those other parents thought of what she was doing or how she was doing it. She only cared about the fact that her dad saw her and what her dad thought. Right? It was for this audience of one. And when we go to work, right, our aim is to work for that audience of one. We work for him to exalt him, to worship him. How do we do that practically? What are some practical things we do in order to worship God through our work? Well, let me give you three practical ways that we worship God through our work uh, in order to uh, go ahead and, and battle those three inadequate ways, right? First, how do we worship God in our work? By working to do good. By working to do good. God has called us to do good in everything we do. Galatians 6, 9, and 10. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.15. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Both of these passages say that, that we are to be doing good as God defines it to everyone. And so when we go to work, one of the ways that we worship God is by making sure that we are doing good to everyone that we're with at work and everything we're doing in our work. That, that's our aim. Uh, there's a, a lot of different aims with which we can go to work. If I'm a server, I can go to work with the primary motivation of just trying to make as many tips as possible. I can go to work with the motivation of trying to get through these tables as quickly as possible so I can be done. Or I can go to work with a desire to express the goodness and love of Jesus Christ to everyone that I'm around while I'm at work. But both those I'm serving and those I'm working with. If I'm a student at school, I can go to school with the primary desire to just make it through the day in a hard setting or to get ahead of other students or to be seen as cool or whatever. But the primary motivation that God gives us as we're students in school is to pour out the goodness and the love of Jesus while we're there to our fellow students, to teachers, to administrators, because God is worshiped. He's exalted as we do that good day in and day out. So how do we worship God in our work? By working to do good as God defines it. Express his love day in and day out in our workplace. Second, how do we worship God in our work? By working to give. 
by working to give to others. Primarily being motivated as we go to work by what we can do with others by what we're going to earn that day. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. For what purpose do we do honest work with our own hands? For what purpose do we go to work so that he may have something to share with anyone in need? Right, so that we may have something to share with anyone who is in need. It is an essential step in our discipleship when we stop looking at work as being primarily about how I can upgrade the things that I own, how I can gain the things that I want, and we begin to look at work through the lens of how can I make more money so that I can give more to God and those who are in need. That is an essential part of our discipleship, to move from self-oriented thoughts about our workplace to others-oriented thoughts about our workplace. So that work is focused on how can I give more? How, how, can I, how can I earn more so that I can give more to those who are hurting and those who are in need? Right, that, that's God's design for us. And, and those who are hurting and those who are in need may be orphans in other countries. A number of you support orphans who are in other countries. It may be family members who need help financially from you as they go through life. I have seen in my six years at Friendship Church hundreds of thousands of dollars come through the benevolence offering and help those who are a part of the community who are in need or in hurting, part of this community. Because people are working so that they can help those who are in need. Not just those who are in need, but are helping to advance the work of Jesus and the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3 says, Soon afterward, he, that's Jesus, went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's household manager. And Susanna and many others who did what? Provided for them out of their means. What are these women doing? They are financially supporting Jesus and the disciples as they are sharing the kingdom. Because there's not a lot of money in going town to town sharing the kingdom. These women are providing the financial support needed for that spreading of the kingdom and the spreading of the name of Jesus to take place. And so when we go to work, we go to work not to think about how can I get more toys for myself? We go to work thinking, how can I give in a more faithful way to what God is doing, the spreading of his kingdom and those who are hurting and are in need? And that's such a, an important part of our discipleship when it relates to our work. That transition from me to God and others when it comes to our motivation about going to work. How do we worship God in our work? By working to give. Finally, how, how do we worship God in our work? By working on mission. By working on mission. Sometimes we may be tempted to think that in this world there is holy work and there is unholy work. The holy work, well, that's like ministry people. 
you know, people like, like pastors and church workers and missionaries, they do holy work. And then there's everyone else that does regular work, right? Or unholy work, we may even be tempted to think of it. I guarantee that you cannot find that dichotomy within the word of God. That there are people involved in holy work and people who are involved in unholy work. The Bible recognizes that we are worshipers, all of us, in our workplace. And that all of us are involved in holy work because the Spirit of God dwells in us. And so our workplaces are holy as we enter into them and he works through us. All of us are called to be on mission in our workplace and to do ministry in our workplace. Some are called to be on mission through Friendship Church and working through for Friendship Church. Others are called to be on mission by working for LUNS. Others are called to be on mission and doing holy work by working at Amazon. Others are called to be on mission and doing holy work through raising of kids. And on and on we could go. Uh, this idea of holy work and unholy work is not something that the Lord and his word support. All of us are called to holy work. All of us are called to be doing ministry in our workplaces, fulfilling the great commission in our workplaces. The, the church at Thessalonica was so good at this. Look at what Paul writes to them. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. What does Paul write to the Thessalonians here? He says, you have so faithfully and so thoroughly spread the word of God and the gospel message that as someone whose life is dedicated to spreading the gospel message to those who haven't heard, you've left me no work to do in your region. Right? What? There's, there's no need for us to say anything. You've spread the gospel so thoroughly. You, you've told everybody around. That's our desire. Neighborhoods, families, friends. But God has also put us in our workplaces so that we can be on mission for him. His missionaries in those locations impacting people's lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's his call to us, for us to be on mission. How do we worship God in our work? Oh, we, we want to exalt him and praise him and lift him up, and we want to be a people who are on mission. And with that in mind, I would like to commission all of us to the mission that God has given us. Sometimes we call people up here on stage and we commission them for a specific mission that they're going to do in a particular place at a particular time. But, but all of you who are in this room have been called to God's great mission. Through whatever your work looks like, whether that is the volunteer work you're doing in retirement or the work you're doing to raise kids or the work you're doing in your office, whatever that is, God has called you to be on mission through that. And I want to commission us in that. And so I, I want to invite you to participate in a commissioning with me as we conclude this sermon series together. It's going to involve you standing up. So if you're willing, stand with me. 
And this is going to be responsive. And so as I read the first part, Mark Leader, let me invite you to respond from your minds and hearts the parts that are going to be marked congregation as we walk through this. And we are going to walk through all of the major points that have been made over the course of this sermon series. Let me start. Again, you come in when it says congregation. When we work, we desire to recognize that God is a worker and has made us to be workers in his image. When we work, we desire to recognize that work is hard and painful because of sin. But God is redeeming the creation so that one day all work will be beautiful, successful, and blessed. We desire to live out the new life in Christ in our work so that we are honest, hardworking, encouraging, and kind. When we work, we desire to work for Jesus so that his priorities order our daily priorities. When we work, we desire to work for Jesus so that all that we do brings him glory. And finally, when we work, we desire to work so that we can give to God and others. I lied one more. When we work, we desire to be on mission at work, sharing and advancing the gospel mission. Let's pray together. Father, our great desire is that you would work in and through us to glorify your name in our work. Help us to continue to grow in the eyes of faith that see our work as being for an audience of one, exalting you through each of our actions, each of our thoughts, each of our words. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be working through us to be on mission in whatever our work looks like so that we would be spreading the name of Jesus and the message of Jesus everywhere we go and that that message would be lived out with lives that are filled with your light. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to take a seat as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper today. We're going to do so by participating in some silent prayer, some silent individual prayer. And so I want to invite you to go ahead and pray about those things that all, all call to mind as we prepare our hearts to take the Lord's Supper. Our, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Would you spend a moment right now exalting and praising God for who he is as we see in his salvation, his great love, his great mercy, his justice, his goodness. Praise his name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would you take a moment and, and in this quiet time, acknowledge 
Jesus is the boss of your life. Everything you do is to work for him, his will, his kingdom, his desires. Give us this day our daily bread. Would you thank God for all of the provision that he has made in your life? Would you pray for provision for others and specifically pray about any ways God may want to use you to be that provision in the life of another? Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Would you spend time confessing before the Lord any sin that you need to confess before we go to the Lord's table? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Would you give God thanks for his Holy Spirit's presence within you that battles temptation? Would you pray for God's strength to overcome specific temptations in your life? you thank Jesus for giving himself to take on the wrath and punishment that was rightfully ours because of sin?